on this week's breakdown, Cesaro breaks out of WWE. Cesaro has left WWE, and it's got me thinking, Taylor. The world of professional wrestling is really weird, and not like the normal weird a lot of people are going to talk about. We have something that doesn't exist in sports. There's free agents all the time, right? Especially with like the NFL. A lot of people are going to be talking about free agency coming up because that starts next month, right? But wrestling is a little bit different because... Because we keep on seeing all of these talents get released by WWE, which for the longest time was hoarding all of its talent and developing them. So whether you like it or not, they may not wrestle everyone's preferred style. You have all of these extremely athletic, well-rounded performers who are ready and able to work wherever they can. And it's so weird because it's not like you're trying to find a diamond in the rough. There's plenty to choose from. And a lot of them at this point are even doing their own things. Like you've been telling me about the control your narrative thing. We have Terminus going on. Like you have all of these little promotions popping up left, right, and center. And it's almost like we're kind of getting a revitalization of the indie wrestling scene, which is such a cool thing to think about because it. a lot of people thought it was going to disappear after, you know, AEW came to town and all these wrestlers have been pulled up and the pandemic and all of this. But yet here we are and now there's promotions popping up all over the place. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. The thing that interests me the most about this is that we're not looking at just free agency, though. We're looking at uh, wrestlers trying and vowing to get out of their contracts, whether they're in the WWE or not. And you never really saw that before. I mean, you obviously had like Bret Hart, but there was reasons why. And we'll talk about those later. But Everybody is betting on themselves. And I think that it's a different thing that you don't really see in wrestling as much as you see it in everywhere else because these wrestlers are independent contractors. They're not signed to, you know, the way that an NBA player would be signed. And it's crazy because they're finally realizing like, hey, I'm my own boss and I can do whatever I want. I don't have to just settle for what we have. I think usually what you would say is people don't really leave WWE because there's not really a lot of ideas of financial security outside of WWE in the past in the wrestling world. So obviously you have AEW that's going to pay you a little bit of money, but you can make a living now in several promotions. It's not just AEW and it's not just WWE, which I think it makes the idea of betting on yourself a little bit realer. Like you can go do these Terminus pay-per-views and get paid pretty good to do them. You can go do a GCW pay-per-view and get paid pretty good to do it. You can go to these places and get paid. It's not just WWE anymore. And I think that's why somebody like Antonio Cesaro can leave and not feel like, oh, this is going to fucking suck. Like, I'm not getting paid anywhere else. Like, he can make money because he has the drive and the ability to make money. Well, and you hit the nail on the head. He's the kind of person who's going to be a workhorse. He's always been a workhorse. And that's really the defining factor of if you're going to make it on the indies or not. Cardona is another perfect example. Look how many different promotions he's wrestling in. And it's not that he's a revolving door. No, he's in multiple promotions all at once. He's the NWA champion. He's a champion in Impact. He's a champion in GCW. And he seems to be showing up at all these promotions one after another after another in like two weeks span. So he's not just staying in one place. 
He's moving all the time. And Thursday, he was on impact defending again against Jordan Grace. So he's constantly moving. And he's putting in the work just like a Cesaro could. So, and but I, he's, think- I think Cordona's the blueprint, though. I think he's the person that comes out that you maybe think, okay, you probably can't make money out of WC or WWE. And then he goes and does this where it's like, listen, I can work all these dates and I can make money. And I'm going to make money and watch. Not to mention, he's planning out his life. You know, he's not obligated to work three, 320 days a year. You know, he can go, hey, I'm going to work through this month. He's He can go, I'm going to work from January to June. I'm going to take July through September off. And then I'm going to come back, you know, on another turn and another promotion. He can do whatever he wants because he's ultimately his own boss because he's an independent contractor. And he's believes in himself enough to be doing these things and he's putting in the effort it's not like he's just getting lucky and falling face first into all of these, but these opportunities but these things in other sports in the past five or six years have been happening to them and they never happened before like the nfl and Le'Veon bell or the nba and james harden and wearing fat suits to get yourself out of a city and then going to a different city and taking the fat suit off and being skinny again people are doing things like this to get out of contracts all the time now in other sports it's just not heard of in WWE because there's never been financial security. This is a wild time in wrestling, and Cesaro's going to go somewhere and blow blow the motherfucker up, and he should. The cool thing about it, too, is it doesn't necessarily have to be AEW. We always talk about the potential of someone going to AEW when they were released from WWE if they're a bigger name, but it's really, we're getting to a point where it doesn't matter where they go because they can go anywhere and sell out a venue, you know what I mean? And we have all these promoters and individuals who are putting on shows, and it's not even just sketchy promoters anymore. It's wrestlers themselves. Look at at Effie. He's got his big gay brunch going, and he's paying all of these people who may not even get booked in certain situations. It's such a beautiful time in wrestling because there are so many opportunities as long as you're willing to put yourself out there and put the work in to get yourself over. And ultimately, that's the same situation that a lot of people are being told they they should have done a WWE, right? Well, if they're not getting the opportunity to do it, now they're going out on their own, doing whatever it takes, and building organic characters that people relate to. And I know we've talked about you know, WWE having this system, and we're going to talk about the AJ Styles interview later where they're getting more personable people, but you can really see who's meant to be in the wrestling business by what they do when they're not signed by a major promotion like WWE. Because... Yeah they are going to show you what they have and it doesn't always work out i don't have a specific example but there are people like matt cordana are examples of how it can work out if you bust your ass i agree i agree 100 but i think that people have made a name outside of big promotions like even moxley like slide sliding around into like blood sport and stuff like that Brought him a whole new set of fans. He's the same kind of person, though. He's busting his ass. He's going show to show, doing whatever it takes. And I'm going to take this opportunity myself to segue into another person who's very similar. And you said you wanted to give or Danielson his flowers, right? Uh, I guess we could say give him his flowers. I I've just, used that expression like two or three times now. I, I heard it recently. I'm like, I like this. We well, should be giving people their flowers before it. it's too late. I like that a lot. But I think that it's time to start mentioning him on the Mount Rushmore's of wrestling. I think we're getting to a place where he's had a very, very, very illustrious career that you could pretty much stack up against anybody's ever. And he's done it in multiple different promotions. Like when we worked this idea out on the phone, you were comparing him to Tom Brady, but it really does make sense because a lot of people will take 
Tom Brady's years over his, the course of his career and go, yeah, that could be considered a Hall of Fame career. This could be, and it's the same with Danielson, whether, no matter what promotion he's in. Do you think he's working towards a Hall of Fame career in AEW right now? I think so, because I think that if you're going to put together a first ballot set of Hall of Famers and he continually is putting out five-star matches because even that match last week with Daniel Garcia was a lights-out match. Imagine what we're going to get with Moxley. Oh, my God. Like, this shit, it just, every match, it seems it doesn't matter who it's against, he shows out every time. And he's been consistently showing out every time. He's just better than everybody else is right now. Well, I was going to say, there's people, your CM Punk is the best in the world. Uh, you have Chris Jericho, who's the best in the world at what he does, right? Is Daniel Bryan actually the best wrestler in the world? Because I actually said that. I do believe it right now. I think if well, you look at anyone in professional wrestling, when it comes down to just absolute technique, knowledge, execution, he could do and a the heel, all five he could do tools, a baby, everything. It's the little things when you have to have that conversation, right? And he ticks all of the boxes. It's he cannot even try to be a professional wrestler. But, he took two. But it's up years off, right? I think you could find a handful of people that check all the boxes. Where I think you don't find a handful of people is someone that checks all the boxes and has the resume to stand up with them checking all the boxes. Like, you look at somebody like The Rock. They're most of the time going to end up on somebody's Mount Rushmore. Somebody like that. Oh, or always. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the type of guy that I'm thinking, though, because that's a guy that was lights out every night. Let me ask you something. Would you put Danielson over him, in your opinion? I think that we're looking at a closer race than you would think. Like, it used to be, oh, hell no. You know what I mean? But this AEW run, I mean, not that the stuff he did in WWE wasn't phenomenal because he was destroying there. And we talked about the Ring of Honor stuff Wednesday. It was a massacre. Like, he was amazing. So it's not, I don't know... I think that he starts to get in the conversation because you look at longevity and how many different places he's went and how different his style has really been at every place he's went because he's created new captivating characters every time. And they're always him, but there's slight variations on him where it makes him different. Like the original American Dragon in Ring of Honor was different than this this dragon. You know what I mean? Like he's just it, it, he's changing as he gets older and making different characters and more intriguing little things here and there you he's know constantly able to reinvent Rein himself. not it's not necessarily reinventing because he's still the same character but a lot like jericho did where he's kind of a chameleon and he can just shed sections of his character and pick up new sections that are different and better just like, keep you interested like we had the wwe run with the eco-friendly stuff it's brilliant it's so brilliant and such an interesting brilliant character that just you never would think would work on a wrestling promotion but what does it do it got it's a home run it got over, bro. And this shit he's doing right now, this kick your faces in, we're going to teach the young kids how to wrestle, it's insanity. He's more over than he's ever been. So I just don't think it gets better. Like, I mean, it will, but I just don't see how, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Getting back to where we were kind of going with this in the beginning, I think one could say that The Rock is a better sports entertainer, and there are definitely people that are going to make that argument. But I do think Danielson is the better professional wrestler. And not to say The Rock isn't a phenomenal professional wrestler. There's just something about the technique of Brian, you know, 
that I don't think The Rock would ever grasp. He knew how to get himself over. He knew how to get other people over. But I don't know if he ever enjoyed getting people over the way Brian does. The way I look at wrestling is how are you able to get yourself over? Like, I guess to a lot of people, the wrestling aspect is the most important thing. But the reason I'm so infatuated with Brian Danielson isn't necessarily that he's a goddamn good wrestler. Because he is. The thing that I'm so interested in is his ability to get himself over in every situation, heel or baby. I'm more so interested in the dance between two people. You know, because if chemistry is not there in the ring, or if there's not someone who's able to lead the way, you tend to have clunkier matches. But I don't think that you get clunkier matches with him because he is able to understand the mindset of another wrestler. And that's what like I'm... he's able to make anybody look good. It doesn't matter who it is. And great wrestlers are always going to be able to do that. The rock could do that too. Well, and that's exactly my point, but that's where I'm saying it's not that the rock can't get people over and make them look good. You can tell Brian enjoys doing it. He thrives when he puts other people over whether someone wants to or not. He's constantly out there building new stars. And you know you have Daniel Garcia now has, has one of the best matches of the year already, and nobody knew him two, three weeks ago, you know? It's a ridiculous thing when you think about it. And that's why I love professional wrestling, and Agreed. that's why I love Brian. Agreed. I, I, I think I want to segue into our next point, if you don't mind. Please do. Um, I did a little bit of research on another great wrestler this week. Uh, I got into the Bret Hart rabbit hole. Okay, I like this. Um, so a lot of people, when they think about the year of 97, they think about that Austin-WrestleMania match, and they think about the screw job. But in between the, re- the WrestleMania match and the screw job, Bret Hart was the best he's ever been. Like, people consider him to be a little clunky on a microphone. You know what I mean? Like, that's always the criticism you get for Bret Hart is, on a microphone, maybe he's a 5. You know what I mean? In a ring, he's an 11. I think it was more so just his dictation and like the fact that he was kind of monotone. Well, I think that people seem to think that he doesn't make a lot of sense. But what I'm getting at is there was a three and or a month and a half span where he was just scolding hot promos just over and over again, night after night. And it ends with that shoot promo where he shoves Vince McMahon down in the ring. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So we go through like a, a month and a half span. I have the dates. Hold on. February 13th through March 24th. So like roughly a month and 10 days where he wins the wins the four way match with Vader and Stone Cold and Undertaker to get the belt, loses it to Sid the same night and then just goes on a streak where Sid beats him three more times for the title in the next month. And then he loses it again. So he just gets endless shots at the title because he's scolding, but he's also reinventing wrestling in a way that people don't really talk about. So what I was examining is his style of promo, which again, people tend to dictate and not like for that time period. But what he does is he creates something that I think most wrestlers use nowadays in the aspect that he is doing this. uh, What's the word for it? Like it's almost an attitude era promo that hadn't really been made yet because this is before attitude era. So he's cutting this like, fuck you, I'm not getting what I deserve, you're not giving me what I deserve promo. You know what I mean? Like, I should be in this title match every week, and I'm going to get the title match, and I should win, and people keep screwing me over. And nobody's doing anything about it, 
and everybody's sitting there watching and laughing and nobody's helping me. And I think that the w- reason it felt so real is because it was real. Like he really did feel like they were fucking him over and over again every week. And I don't imagine that Vince wasn't because you know what happened with the screw job. Yeah, no. So exactly. my brain starts to think like how many times was Vince telling him before he went to the ring like you're going to win this match. And then he gets out there and he's like something happens where somebody runs out and hits him with a chair and he loses. Like, and then he goes back to Gorilla. He's like, right. sorry, so pal, this one happened. Of those, one of those matches, uh, Stone Cold interferes. The next match, Undertaker interferes and Stone Cold interferes. So he's just getting people interfering nonstop. And then he's told, you're going to win this belt back from from the, from the Shawn Michaels, but he's not going to win the belt back. Do you think that was like the beginning of Hot Chop Booking, though? Because he's like playing musical chairs with all of his decisions well, one would think from what i read vince, there was a is. lot of things that vince had decided but way before any of this and he was just playing cards like he had a bunch of decisions in his hand and he was like tonight i'm gonna do this and i think that's kind of how he works now he's just like okay bobby lashley you got to get him out of here he's real injured we'll just pull him out and hit get him hit by the plastic and we'll say it's a concussion and then we'll give the title to brock that reminds me of that scene in the Simpsons movie, right? Where uh, the fake Arnold Schwarzenegger president, right, is given like the five yeah, I know uh, you're talking envelopes. Eva. <laughs> That's great. But, but I, I think, can see that. I think that like people always think that Stone Cold started this Attitude Era. But that shoot promo really did begin something that hadn't really been done before. Because he was violently cussing on live TV for fun. You all can kiss my ass, is what he says to the crowd. It really hadn't been done until that time. There wasn't a lot of times that you're going to look at WWE product and be like, wow, this is not a family-friendly show right now. It really blows my mind. Like, I I think watching this is just, like, put him in the class with all my favorite wrestlers. Like, not that he wasn't always in there, but, like, you know I always like a certain type of wrestler. And I think this creates that narrative for him that he is, like, the working middle-class guy that just gets screwed over like all of us. You know what I mean? you got to love him. Even though he's trying to be so hateable, you gotta love him. So I watched Big Money Wrestlers with uh my by the ICP boys. I would say that first off, I'm not a super big fan of their music, and that's not like any uh bad thing against them. They're fine, but I will say their thumb pit and wrestling is incredible. Like their pull with wrestlers like blows me away. Like obviously, if you know me at all, you know that I'm a Vampiro Mark. So the shit they've done for Vampiro alone, like I love these guys. I got no problem with them. And I watched both of their movies. One had wrestlers in it and one didn't. So we're going to talk about the one that had wrestlers in it. Uh, This is called Big Money Wrestlers. It is essentially a uh, Western where Violent J plays a uh, boss of a town, like a gang boss of a town that essentially is making everybody pay him to live in this town or do anything. Him and... Twisted, you know the band Twisted? I do. I actually his, saw them uh, at Warp Tour once. He is, they are his henchmen, and they are idiots, which <laughs> is them. hilarious. So he has a slew of like goons that he calls one by one to take out Shaggy 2Dope, who is, I forget his name, but he has a really, really, it's like a wolf or something. I don't know. I can't really remember, but it wasn't great. So anyway, he calls in uh, henchmen one by one, and every henchman is equally stupid and funny. If you like like shitty 2000s humor and you don't mind a little bit of juvenile, you'll actually probably like this movie. Um, there are three wrestlers in it. One of the wrestlers is Sabu, and he's in it for literally 0.5 seconds. 
What does he even do? He is in the middle of a gunfight scene. He is just in the scene. He doesn't say a word. It's just Sabu. And he's not in Western clothes. He's just Sabu. Just in the middle of the gunfight with a gun just shooting people. Just a little cameo bit? Yeah, it's just for no reason. They were just like, listen, we're doing this movie. Why don't you come through? We'll just put you in the movie. It'll be fun. And he was like, fuck it. And that's how it happened. So the parts that are a little bit more interesting. Jimmy Hart has a five-minute part in which they beat him up and threaten him and because he doesn't have their money. So I don't know how they got Jimmy Hart to do this, but they did. And Jimmy Hart, I'm pretty sure, gets killed. Okay. He <laughs> took a bullet for the ICP gang. You got to respect down, that. He's down for the Juggalos and the it's Juggalettes. down with the clown. <laughs> this is for the Juggalos <laughs> and the Juggalettes. Fuck try this, this shit. <laughs> he is such an that icon. Dude's icon. That dude is such an icon. The last cameo for the wrestling, and this is by far the funniest thing to me. Was it Superhuman? No. Scott Hall. <laughs> plays in this movie but he has he has the funniest part so he sits at the front of the town and gets drunk and every time somebody enters or dies in the town he changes the number of the people in the town on the sign what a gem so he's just sitting there and anytime somebody comes in he's like a couple more and that's it they i'm pretty sure that he was just uh fall down drunk the entire time they made this movie i love it do you I think they even movie. paid him or they're like, hey, just come drink on set with this us? This rating of this movie is going to give, it's going to get like a two out of five. It's average at best. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't watch it with your mom. You know, when we started doing this, we had reviews, right? And I've really dropped the ball because I have not been providing those the last several weeks. However, I decided to bring it back, especially after reading this singular review of this movie. So this is from Gerard Johnson. And this was three years ago. And I feel really bad for this man after reading this. Well, go ahead and tell us the sad news then. I came to see if the myths were true. Was this movie powerful enough to kill? What I would do to take that action back. I have been eternally stuck with the clown posse over my shoulder. And if I even dare to watch something other than the big money rustlers, they immediately chop off one of my toes and grind them in front of my eyes. <laughs> Please do not watch this movie. You will regret it until the day you lose your last toe. <laughs> there was no stars involved whatsoever. <laughs> Just that statement. He's a juggalo. I'll tell you right now, that guy is a juggalo and that's a work. I don't even know if he's alive. <laughs> that's more of a work than Cody Rhodes. Every time we manage to talk about him. And this is why it's a work because it's working. <laughs> but he is doing it, man. He's doing the thing. I heard he's going to show up this week on WWE. I mean, we did completely miss SmackDown at this point. It's like oh, 945. I watched, I watched like three fourths of it before he got here. What if he shows up in the main event, though? Oh, we'll man. never know well, because I'll, we're still recording. I'm going to check Twitter after this. And if he shows up, then I'll be mad at you. All right. I'm, I'm going to call you and be like, it's not a word, bitch. I apologize in advance. Well, let's keep it moving because in the last couple of days, we found out that MGK is going to be a downloadable additional character in WWE 2K22. But even more, he's actually curating the playlist for this game. Originally, this was going to be a much different segment before I read what he had actually chosen for the game because this is actually the best playlist they've had in WWE in a long time. Oh, gross. But You're going to put over MGK? Uh, yeah, because other than this one specific song that just stands out like a sore thumb, I'm pleasantly surprised. 
Tell us what you like off of it. Go ahead. I can I, okay. see in your eyes you want to talk about this. First and foremost, I don't hate that MGK pop punk album. Now, on the other side of that coin, there's a million horrible stories about him. So do with that information as you will. But he basically just made another Blink-182 album. Why? So, so it's not uh, the worst music. That's so disrespectful to Mark and Tom. Try Give them man some love. I need to go reach out to them and tell them I'm sorry that you just ever said Mark that. Mark Hoppus helped write the album. I don't care. That's So fair. did Travis Barker. Did he? Yeah, sure? Travis Barker did the drums for the entire album. Man, why don't you go get his autograph or something? Will G's. I already have it. You have Fuck MGK's you. autograph? No, I have Travis Barker's. Uh, I was talking about MGK. So it's two of his tracks off his latest album. Of course um, it is. But then I'm going to go down the rest of the list and just move one slightly down so we can talk about it last. We have Protect Your Neck by Wu-Tang Clan. That's a, a good classic. Song. It's a good song. It's fair. We have Iron Fist by Motorhead. Say Cheese, the NXT theme song. I know the Final Beast song. That's a great song. Okay. Typhoons by a band called Royal Blood. I've never heard it, so I'm not going to pass judgment either way. Happy Song by Bring Me the Horizon, which isn't a horrible song, uh, depending on what era of that band you like. But You know me. It's cool to have them in a video game. Heartless by The Weeknd. I Don't Want to Be Blind by Turnstile, which is really cool because Turnstile is really over now thanks to TikTok and stuff, but that's not from the album that blew them up. That's uh, some older material of theirs. That's Corey Graves decided on that one. That was Corey Graves' submission. Well, thank you, Corey Graves. That's I made that up, but that sounds like something. He, he likes Turnstile. So, that know. song's a bop. Yeah. Hollywood Sucks by Kenny Hoopla. And last but not least, the final episode, Let's Change the Channel by Asking Alexandria. It's not weird for me that asking Alexandria's music is in a game. What's weird to me is you chose this song off of the album that's like 11, 12 years old now and has not aged well whatsoever. It's very much peak metalcore from like mid 2000s. That's the album that blew up asking Alexandria back when Attack Attack was relevant. I remember seeing them on a tour that really fit the bill for the style of music they were playing. I think I saw that same tour. See, because we're metalcore fucks. Um, but I would say that I went to the that kind of show because I was uh, other people wanted to go though. Like I don't like that style of metal. So like asking Alexandria and like a Skylit Drive. You know what I mean? Like those types of bands just don't do it for me. Like, it's just not my style of music. So, like, I'm probably good. I don't honestly know that song that you just said. Like, Escape the Fates in that same realm. I'm good. It's off that big, or Asking Alexandria album. I probably heard it. Yeah, no, definitely. But, like, it's just not, I don't know their songs like that. Like, I don't think I've ever went out and been like, wow, better buy this album. Regardless, though, what I'm saying is it's actually a pretty decent playlist. It's way better than the playlist The Rock made for WWE. I don't know, man. Rather than put some Al Green on there. (laughs) Come on. I want to hear some Marvin Gaye. I want to hear some Barry White. I want to hear some Luther Vandross. A little Anita. I really, really want to... Get this party started off right. I really wanted to ask you there for a second. You want to create a character in that video game and come out to Marvin Gaye, but I knew your answer would be yes. I would be yes. That's absolute. That's absolute. I also would... I've been hearing a lot of Barry White. I don't know if Florida radio stations just like Barry White, but I've been hearing a lot of Barry White lately. I would love to be a wrestler that comes out to Barry White. I hate to break it to you, Taylor, but your music choice is a very slim demographic <laughs> for video games. I'm not asking for them. I'm asking for me. Can I point out something really interesting, though? NXT 2.0 obviously has moved away from 
the metal direction that it used to have, right? Because they think everybody wants rap, pop, and hip hop. Yet this entire playlist is kind of exactly what NXT was going for before the change was made. Do you think? But I think that you get a lot of like WWE stars over with songs that are more like butt rock almost. You know what I mean? None of this is butt rock. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like they chose a lot of songs that MGK probably likes, but that's also a slim demographic. And so are you. You're in a slim demographic. I don't think so. I think more so that they're going for a younger generation, especially with the whole big revitalization of this brand and the complete rebuild of the game. Because that's why they took a year off 20 or 2k 20 was dog shit so they've gone back to the chalkboard and try to make a much better game and i'm sure they're gonna want but wait a minute it wasn't uh battlegrounds a 2k game as well wasn't considered a part no, of they probably series. just didn't take a break they probably just worked on a different game for a year you well it, it was probably a different team entirely that game interestingly weird i don't know so i think here's my my problem with battlegrounds is i'm so bad at video games and i don't really play the switch that much so i don't really know the buttons all that well so, like, I'm trying to do it, and it's, like, really fast-paced, and my mind just can't keep up. But I bet you, if I could learn the buttons, I'd really love that game. A lot of the people I've heard talk about it say, like, after two or three days of playing it, it's hot booty juice because it's super repetitive, and it's it you don't get what you typically expect you, out of a WWE see, game. I love that. I want a super repetitive game that I can just beat the shit out of and feel good about. Just hit people with 30 stunners in a row. Just some it. instant serotonin yeah, every day. I love that. I love that. Give me that. Tony Hawk Underground every day. I'm intrigued, though, with what they're going to offer. I just, I think it's interesting, especially hearing all the stories of this game coming out and seeing some of the people that are included in the game, like Keith Lee and William Regal. Like, you're seeing names that are no longer with the company in this game that hasn't even released yet. And you have to think they had the ability to pull them out last second. Shit like that happens in video games all of the time. I am a gonna go ahead and make a firm formal charge i want keith lee to do this singing gimmick in real life you've already proposed <laughs> that taylor i want it though and did you whisper it though about, because you're embarrassed to say it people aren't talking about this enough like he's a damn good singer he could really get this over with let me ask you something do you think keith lee got a payout to be in that game and then he like the yes. people that aren't yeah. with the company, yeah. do you think WWE went to them and said, hey, you're not with the company, but you're already in this game. We have a slim picking for playable characters people will be excited about, and a lot of people were excited for you. Do you want to continue to be in this game? We'll pay you for your likeness and all of that. I think it's so much less, dude. I think the WWE just doesn't give a shit. Like, they're, listen, everybody on the, that's on the game is going to get paid either way, and I think that it was already done, and they're just like, you know what? Let's keep them on. But it wasn't even a conversation. It was like, no, I don't it think was already wrapped up into their world. It was already done. And they were like, you know what? Just keep him on there. It's too much work to take him off at this point. Well, we have one more thing to talk about. That being the AJ Styles interview Ariel Hawani did the other day on BT Sport. I think it came out sometime last week. And this is a much different interview than the interview we got last week with Pat. Ariel Hawani is known for asking like uncomfortable questions like he has like made a reputation for himself by always asking questions that make people like like in this interview this is what stuck out to me the most like there's a lot of interesting stuff in this interview but once he gets on a thing that he finds that you're uncomfortable with he just keeps hammering it you know what i mean like he got into that impact conversation with aj that aj did not want to have there was a part of the interview i did see that aj started to get real uncomfortable and didn't want to talk well about. He, because at first it's a simple question and that's how ariel gets the door open the first question is are you comfortable with the relationship between impact and wwe and of course he says yes it's great it's wonderful and then he says 
well, do you think that it's a, a door that goes both ways? He's like, do you think that Impact guys can come to WWE and WWE guys can go to Impact? And then he's like, I don't think the doors, I don't think the door opens that way. And that's the first time where it's like, ooh, that's a little uncomfortable. And then he keeps pushing and he's like, how do you feel about you going and doing a couple dates at Impact? And then he's just like, no. <laughs> like you know what i mean like he had to set the boundaries but aj is such a positive nice guy like i don't think he wanted to be that guy right off the bat i thought that was a really interesting question i think aj handled it well because you could see that he didn't really want to downgrade himself but he he thought about it for a moment in his head where... i don't think ariel meant it to be like uninteresting like i i think that ariel is incredible at his job like i don't want it to come off like i'm saying that ariel hawani doesn't know how to do his job He's very good at getting information out of people that they are like maybe not supposed to say. Like he to me is always going to be known as the guy that Dana Dana White got pissed at because he asked uncomfortable questions to Dana White about paying fighters. And Dana White was like, "Why are you covering the sport? Like I don't want you here." So it essentially got him removed from the official UFC stuff. Like he's still a UFC guy or an MMA guy. But Dana White does not like him and has made it very, very clear that he doesn't like him because of questions that he asked that were a little iffy. Well, I've heard him talk about his like career on a different standpoint. Like I've heard like Pat interview him, especially when he had his like falling out with his last uh, job and everything. So I have a little bit of background of the kind of person he is. And like I was saying, it's much different from what we watched with Pat because Pat, he's going to get to become your friend no matter who you are. And he's going to get those things out in a way where you want to share those where Ariel like kind of puts you under the microscope and there's he's not personable and not like a bad way by any means it just there's little to no talking he keeps the conversation what I thought was weird is that was a 30 minute interview almost it didn't seem like 30 minutes but it seemed like an hour like it seemed less than 30 minutes but it also seemed like an hour at the same time is that this this type sense? of this type of interview is my favorite type of interview though like i am much more comfortable listening to ariel hawani than i am pat mcafee i love him like i think that ariel hawani is like one of the smartest people that are that is covering mma or wrestling you know what i mean like i really think he's brilliant i think that i think his interviews are like one of those movies where you have to devote all of your attention to it because this wasn't something i could watch in passing at all what do you uh let's start this what do you think was interesting about this what really stuck out to you so there's three big uh takeaways i have the first thing is kind of what he wants to do after his entering career is finished which is scouting talent finding those lifers and there's a certain way how he said it where he doesn't just want to be the guy standing in like bleachers and stuff and going to the event shaking hands like he wants to find people who are generally invested he doesn't want to just get someone because he thinks they'll make him a lot of money for five ten years no he wants to keep cultivating the business and the culture of professional wrestling well, i think that he's already started doing that like i think that that stuff that he did in nxt a couple of weeks ago with waller was his first dip into that no and so to see that that's where his mind's at though that he's trying to bring this level of professional wrestling to wwe still which he's one of those figures that could actually have a little bit of influence you know with so many yes men and so many people wrestling the style of wrestling WWE wants to he's been around the pond he's been everywhere he's been in WCW which I thought was interesting him talking about he's been in Impact he's been in WWE he's been in New Japan you know he's seen it all he's wrestled so many different styles 
so many different places. So the experience and the value that he brings from any standpoint, I mean, if WWE still wants to make any semblance of a wrestling product, which they do, and this is me not saying it's not wrestling because at the end of the day, it still is. He is someone they do not want to get rid of. And then there's a couple key people, which he even said, like, hey, when I came into this company, I, I have a couple people that have told me, like, Vince didn't believe in me, but they went to bat for me. And, you know, but you see those people like your Terry Taylors. I don't know if Terry's still with WWE, uh, but you have Abyss. Uh, shit, what's his real name? Uh, Joseph Parkman. Yeah, Joseph Parkman. But he's in creative. Like, there's all these different people from all these different walks of life that AJ has crossed at different points that you would think maybe AJ has his people in place now. So if he did get into that scouting department, he could make an impact with a bigger voice, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, for sure. There was something he said that really stuck with me that I agree with wholeheartedly and admired that he made sure to make it a point to say, which is how he believes a champion should be. Because Hawani brought it up that AJ was like almost relieved when he dropped the belt. And it's a weird thing to hear that someone's happy no longer to be a champion. But then when you think about the lifestyle of a professional wrestling champion, it's not easy. I don't, all of these people are like, oh yeah, I could wrestle. I could do this. I could do that. Could you really do that schedule? You're getting no sleep. You're constantly on the road. You're not only wrestling six nights a week almost, but then you're making all the appearances on top of that. You're constantly in the centerpiece and people are talking to you, this, that, and the other. And those are just like little nuances of it. So, but he had said, he was like, if you're the champion, I firmly believe any event possible. And now don't get me wrong. Life happens. There's injuries. Someone gets sick. This, that, or the other happens. Like things happen to cause you to miss events. But if there's any way you could be an event and you have that belt and you're representing your company, you should be there to represent it. Because at the end of the day, the people are filling the arenas to come see you the champion if you're doing your job right and he's not wrong at all and i don't think wrestling i think that's a part of the problem with wwe with these part-time champions like your brock lesnar and stuff because brock's been around pretty often lately but there there have been title runs of his where he was gone for three four months at a time and you don't have your fucking champion on tv which says a lot with how you care about that title I, I think that's an old school way of thinking. Like, I get the premise of it. Like, I understand, like, you want a fighting champion. Like, that's everybody's phrase. You know what I mean? It's let's have a fighting champion. I don't think there's anything wrong with what Brock does, though. Like, he is destroying every time he's on screen. And even when he was gone three or four months, he was still killing when he was back. You know what I mean? Killing it. Like, I don't think that you could necessarily make that argument as a regular person like AJ on the other hand you got to see his point of view like I understand like he came up in a very different era than we've got now where it was a fighting champions era and he has done that in two companies where he was a fighting champion well and I don't think you necessarily have to be defending your title every single night and ever, at every event or even wrestling you know what I mean because there's ways for you to wrestle without defending your title what I think more so he meant is like just make an appearance you don't have to defend the belt, but the people want to see you because if you're the top guy, you're the moneymaker. He views it like it's the getting yourself over thing. You know, when you're the champion, you have to not only get yourself over, but at that point, you have to get the company over. And I don't know if there's, I've, that's part of my problem with Hangman Page. 
I don't think he's getting AEW over the way certain other people within the organization could. And that's not me here to take a dig at Hangman by any means. I mean, it makes sense what you're saying. Like, I might not necessarily agree, but I get your point of view and what you're saying on that for sure. Like, I get it. I just I just think that what he's doing is cool still. Like, I have no issues with the run of Hangman. I, we got Danielson Hangman out of that twice. So I'm happy. But we're also in a situation where every other match on the card is starting to eclipse that title match. I disagree. I think that uh, Cole versus Hangman is marquee. It's going to be a good match, but I think the dog collar match is going to be better. I think Jericho Kingston's going to be better. Oh, I think there's a what? bunch of different... Oh, yeah. What? I, I, it's not because I'm excited to see Chris Jericho. I just want to see Eddie Kingston beat okay, the Eddie, shit out of Chris Eddie, Jericho. Eddie, Eddie Kingston does nonstop home runs. So it'll be a good match. I'm not sitting here saying it's not going to be. I just... Adam Cole, dude. He's a home run hitter, too. I, I love I Adam mean, Cole. I'm just... Here's the problem with that match. I know it's not going to end clean. There's going to be fucker around it. And it's not... I love long-term storytelling, but I'm afraid it's going to drag on way too much and we don't have a result. You, see, what you do is you look too far into the future at a match. I just want you to know when this pay-per-view comes out to just sit in front of it and just relax. Well, don't I'm not going to about... sit in front of it. I'm going to be there live, brother. Oh, shit. Well, just don't yeah, think it's a, about... You know it's in Orlando, right? I didn't know that. Just don't think about the match endings. Just think about being the moment. Take those super kicks in that Adam Cole is going to give you and just enjoy them. Eat them like a piece of cake. You know? I want you to eat those super kicks like a cake. Just digest it. Take it in, breathe it out, and understand that no matter what fuckery happens from Redragon, you're there. You're getting to see Adam Cole, baby, in person. When you put it that way, I really can't argue. Also, I can't believe that you hate Hangman as much as you do. I don't hate him, you but hate I just him, don't bro. think he's you, a, you have I don't weeks. think he's the you have went weeks just the wrong guy won the day he got the title. You have just started that day, and you have just smudged his title run at every turn. Every time he stops at a gas station, you just run out and throw a bucket of mud on him. I'll say it, he's better heel than Cody because he's not doing the job right. <sighs> Damn, I hate him. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Poor, poor. Listen, Adam, dude, don't listen to him. You're kicking ass, dude. That buckshot lariat's fire. There's one more thing that stood out to me about that interview, and that was when he started talking about Omos. He made him real uncomfortable real quick, and there's, I got a lot of respect for AJ out of it from even how he handled this because he chose his words very carefully in a way which he kind of put almost over. But if you were reading between the lines, you could tell that he hated every second of it. And it got to a point really quickly where it wasn't working. It wasn't clicking. And there's doubts or at least that's what I picked up. I could be totally wrong. I picked up on it too, but I hate to do that to almost man. And I think the nail in the coffin was when he was asked about single or tag team wrestling, and he immediately said, I'm a singles wrestler. And that, that's what he is. <laughs> He's always been a singles wrestler. That's what he does. Did you hear AJ compliment almost on anything other than his size, though? He I said think, he was yeah, intelligent. Yeah, I was going to say. He, but he said that he's one of the smartest people he's met. But in which way? Someone can be extremely intelligent not be intelligent in a wrestling ring. I don't know, man. I think you're uh, pulling pulling straws here. I think that that was... AJ is quarterback speaking through this whole interview, which he has to. It's a smart way to do things. You know what quarterback speaking is? Yeah, no, no doubt. So what he's doing is he's every time he's asked a question, he's saying, how can I answer this and leave the most open? 
oh, uh, do I like my former tag team partner? Sure, he's great. Is there anything that I would uh, change? Yeah, I'd be a singles wrestler. I don't like to wrestle with people. Everything leaves you an open end where it's not necessarily that he's taking a dig at anybody or not necessarily that he's ever going to cross over a door into another company. But he will leave you an open end. Yeah, I enjoyed Impact. No, no, I'm not going to go over there. I'm picking up on where you're going with this. There's just a little bit more, though. He put, he managed to put John Cena over. He managed to put Edge over. People that are already established who don't need the. But he word. wants to wrestle Edge. He was. This is not him putting. He people already wrestled over. John Cena though. This is not him putting people over. This is just him answering questions honestly. That is a marquee match for him. If you put together a list of his best matches, you're probably going to get that. It's a good damn match. I was on the shop yesterday. They're still selling t-shirts of that fucking match. Still. I almost bought one. Because that match is fucking dope. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, he's just answering honestly. Who do you want to wrestle? I fucking want to wrestle Edge. I never have. Let me do it. That's an honest answer. It was quick. There was no There was no coach speaking it. As soon as he is asked it, he's like, that's what I want. And that's what I'm doing. That's what we're going to get at WrestleMania. My dick will be rock hard because that's going to be fucking awesome. 